of the book of Revelation. So if you want to turn there uh, with me, um, I'm going to read this again. We've already talked a little bit about uh, the scroll. But in the first verse, John said, And I saw in the right hand of him that sat on the throne a book written within and on the backside sealed with seven seals. And we talked a little bit about uh, what that book was. Uh, it has been suggested by some scholars that, that this was the actual title deed to the earth. Could be. Uh, there's no definitive uh, way to prove that. But it certainly does make sense that, that uh, there is a title deed. To this earth, and we know that spiritually it was transferred by at it was given to God by God to Adam, Adam and Eve. Adam and Eve uh, turned it over to the devil, and Christ came to the cross uh, to redeem what had been taken. But if if it is in, indeed the title deed to the earth, it is pretty amazing about as to what will transpire as a result of this thing being opened. What we do know. What we do know is that the contents of this scroll, what we do know is that the contents of this scroll is the future of the earth written in advance. History written in advance. So that this book, when it is open, it's a scroll, but it's, when it is open, the things that are written in that book were written before time and God's will and God's word being fulfilled concerning this earth. And basically it is addressed, and you'll, you'll see this again, it is addressed to the inhabitants of the earth and to those who hated the lamb. What the Bible says, those who hate the lamb, hate the lamb of God. Right now, of course, uh, with the Middle East situation in Gaza and Israel, and of course uh, the entire the entire Middle East right now is almost in an uproar. Uh, there are alarms going off in the spirit. Of course, alarms. It should be. We should be aware that 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 there there is the pace is quickening. Uh, that rumbling. We talked a little bit last week about out of those, that thunder that's rolling out under the throne of God that could be the impending judgment that's been built up and built up. You remember uh, the wrath of God that was poured out on the earth during Noah's day, and the Bible said for, not for all those years, but then for 120 years, the wrath of God waited on hold, on hold. As wicked as man was, and the, and, and, and the Bible says, as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be in the days of the coming of the Son of Man. And God is waiting. He's still merciful. There's not a nation on this earth that couldn't turn to him. There's not a human being on this earth that, still, that it would be too late for him. When, when, when Christ at the Last Supper gave the instructions to Judas... Thou which thou doest do quickly. And he handed him the sop at the table. And Judas hurriedly leaves the twelve 
and runs into the darkness to do the dastardly deed that he would do in betraying the Son of God. Even after all of that was set in motion, and, and, and Judas leads the guard to the garden where Jesus is. Jesus does not address him as a traitor nor an enemy. But Jesus, and Jesus is not being sarcastic when he says friend. He called Judas friend. I preached a message one time. I called it the last altar call. There will be one. And for Judas, this would be the last altar call. Judas could have fell down right there. I'm sorry, forgive me, repented, and he would have been forgiven. Just as quickly as the thief on the cross was forgiven. But the, but the wrath of God for 120, the Bible said for 120 years, the wrath of God was held back waiting and waiting. And Noah, who was a preacher of righteousness, and then when that day came, when the flood came, and the wrath of God was released. The only thing, I'm just going to say it this way. We'll talk more about this later. But the only thing holding back the wrath of God right now on the level that will take place in the book of Revelation is God's people still on this planet. And that's why, that's why you will see the first three chapters of the book of Revelation talk about the church, the fourth chapter we see the church in heaven. The fifth chapter, we see, we see everybody ready. The angels and the people of God are ready. And then the wrath of God will be opened up. And I saw a strong angel proclaiming with a loud voice, Who is worthy to open the book and to loose the seals thereof? And no man in heaven nor in the earth, neither under the earth, was able to open the book, neither to look thereon. Now, this, in, in this, imp, this indication of a strong angel doesn't mean that there are weak angels and strong angels. It means that there's an angel of authority. Now, that we know there are, there are angelic, that, that there's authority in the angelic host. And we know that Gabriel is the messenger angel. We know that Michael is, is the warring angel. And so we understand that these things. So one, I'm, gonna, I'm going to suppose this was probably either Gabriel or Michael. But it would be an angel with authority over, all the, all, over other angels and over the earth. And this strong angel or this angel with great authority. This, great, this angel with great wisdom had looked all through heaven. And he said, there's not one angel who's worthy to open this book. Think about this. Not one angel in the heavens worthy to open this book. Now, that would include the four cherubims, those four creatures that we've talked about with the faces that we talked about last week. These are the four and they represent, they represent others like them that, that are in the presence of God 24-7 have been there ever since God created them. These are angels who have never been, they've never been sent to the earth. They're not, there's, there's, there's fallen angels. We'll have to talk about that along the way. 
But these are the angels who have for, for centuries and eons and eons and millions of years, perhaps, have done nothing but worship God, and they weren't worthy. To open that book. This strong, intelligent angel had done a diligent search throughout the heavens and could find no one in heaven worthy, no angel in heaven worthy to open the book. And then he does a search through the earth. And he said, there's nobody on the earth that's worthy. And here's how he puts that. No man on the earth nor under the earth, that would be the, those that were, were dead and would be, would be brought back to life, was able to open the book, even to look thereupon. So this intelligent, strong, mighty angel says, I've done due, due diligence. There's not another person on the earth that can do this, and there's not an angel in heaven that can do this. In verse 4, and John said, And I wept much, because no man was found worthy to open and to read the book, neither to look thereupon. Now, why would John weep? I'm going I'm to suggest two reasons. He will weep, number one, because he understands that the progression has started, and he understands the position of the church and the future of the church, because by now, when we get to heaven, you'll have full revelation knowledge. You will know everything. There'll be no secrets. Now we see through a glass darkly, but then face, listen, face to face. You will see God face to face. Every mystery, every great truth that we now, by faith, Jeannie, have to hold on to. When we're going, we just have to hold on by faith. On that day, It'll all be clear. So John has perfect, matter of fact, we're going to show you this in a moment. John has already received knowledge of what is to come, both in the earth and in the heavenlies. And, and, And number two, he's weeping because it appears to him that even though he has fought the enemy and fought the enemy, remember, John was, 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 was taken by the Roman emperor, and uh, they boiled him in, t- in oil and tar, and, and he would not die. He was like the, fi- like the Hebrew kids in the fiery furnace. They wouldn't burn. And then he was cast on the Isle of Patmos to, to die there, and that's where he gets this glorious revelation. Then he's taken back to Ephesus, and there he pastors that church until he just goes to be with the Lord uh, he's, the, he's the only one of the 12 apostles who were not martyred. John was the only one who was not martyred. Uh, there's an incredible story about that as well. But he's weeping now because it looks to him like something, even though he's in heaven, it looks to him like something has stopped the forward revelation and progress of what God has now brought, is about to bring to pass. Now this gets even more amazing. Verse And one of the elders, this is amazing to me, said unto John, Weep not. And listen to me. This was not a cherubim. This was not an angel. This is not one of the four beasts. 
This is one of the 24 elders which represent the Old and New Testament saints. And one of these elders, one of the, one of the members of the body of Christ, the revelation would come from the church. That is awesome to me. That is just amazing to me that nobody in heaven knew what to say nor do but the church of the Lord Jesus Christ, redeemed from this earth, glorified in the presence of God with all. Now we will have, we will have all knowledge and all mysteries to be solved. One of the men representing the church stands up and says, Weep not. Behold the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, hath prevailed to open the book and to loose the seven seals thereof. Oh, my. What an amazing, amazing revelation. And it comes not from the angels, not from the cherubims. It comes from a member of the body of Christ of which we are. Amen. And here's how the announcement came. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, which is, it, 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 it comes from Genesis 49, Isaiah 31, and Hosea 11. The title of the root of David comes from Isaiah 11 and Revelation 22, 16. Um, the lion is a fitting image for the Messiah. Uh, think about this. Think about how much Jesus had to contain himself while he was here on the earth. He's God. He's God in the flesh. And yet he's, you know, he, he has to, he has to, you know, he's, he has to walk everywhere he goes. He has to. He, he sweats and he hungers and he, he limits himself to, to what the disciples around him physically do. He has to contain his glory. He has to withhold it and keep it in. Every once in a while, it's just kind of, it's like even though he tried to not, it just slipped out. And, and, and he'd say, you know, one time he said, they were tell, talking about killing him. He said, you just, you, well, go ahead, destroy this temple. And in three days, I'll raise it back up again. They, they, they talked one time and said, we're going to take your life. He said, nah, no man taketh my, <laughs> no man taketh my life. I got the power to lay it down, and I got the power to pick it right back up again. Hallelujah. And so he's containing this glory. Amen. Every, you know, he, ought to, he walked on the Sea of Galilee a few times, and that's, he, he would have done that every day. But a few times he did. He was transfigured on the Mount of Transfiguration. He did miracles, but for the most part, he didn't have much to say. And when, this is very incredible, when you see what's about to happen. Think about this with me. I want you to see the contrast. I'm getting a little bit ahead of myself, but just set you up for thinking. I want you to see the contrast between when Jesus stood in Pilate's judgment hall and he was led like a lamb before the shearers and he opened not his mouth. They asked him, said, Pilate said, are you? Are you the king of the Jews? He said, are, are those your words? He, he's, he's quiet. He, he, he could have, they said, if, just, if you be the Christ, he's hanging on that cross. You, we've talked about that pain. 
If you be the Christ, what, come down. He could have, could come down. He could have called 10,000 angels in a heartbeat. If you, and, and yet he hangs there. He, re, he refuses to be God. He just hangs there and dies as a lamb. But you're going to see a contrast when we, when, when we start looking in across the book of Revelation. Now he is the mighty God in flames of fire riding, fire, riding a white horse. Hallelujah. Leading. He is the, he will, and he will have much to say. Much to say. Amen. And behold, I looked, John said. And behold, I looked and beheld in the midst of the throne and of the four beasts and in the midst of the 24 elders stood a lamb, now this is important, as it had been slain. I want to stop right there. It's an amazing revelation of Christ. He, even, even here in this setting, he does not show up in this setting as the conquering God. Why would his first appearance after the church gets to heaven be as in the form of a crucified lamb? Well, number one, I believe it's important to understand that the, it is, it's telling us, it's God's way of telling us that the blood will never lose its power. <laughs> that number two is telling us that the, the crucifixion and the blessing of crucifixion are just as fresh as though it happened just today. It's just as powerful as it happened this morning. And so when the church gathers around the throne, they see, they see Christ as a crucified lamb. Now think about this with me. The Bible said that, the Bible said that Christ, in, in, in the plan of God, that Christ was crucified when? Before the foundation of the world. In the planet. Now, when was he actually crucified? Well, we understand that was about 2,000 years ago in Jerusalem. But in the plan of God, that had all, this is what's incredible to me. Before God created the earth, before God created the earth, see, Calvary and the cross was not an accident, it was not God. Second choice before he created the earth. The, in his plan, the Lamb of God was crucified. An amazing thing. So he shows up here in the book of Revelation as a lamb as it had been slain. So here's the he looks like a lamb to, to John, still bleeding, throat has been cut. He bears in his body the marks uh, 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 of sacrifice. As though it had been slain, having seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent forth into all the earth. Now, the horns have to do with strength. The eyes have to do with wisdom and knowledge. Christ, the Bible said, was received the Holy Spirit without measure. Now, we, we, when we are baptized with the Holy Ghost, we get it in measure. Because we, our bodies, there will come a day... In heaven, that we will be filled like Christ without measure. 
And the Bible said that he was filled with the Holy Spirit without measure. In other words, it was. And in Christ Jesus dwelt the fullness of the Godhead bodily. Incredible. Incredible. All right. Having seven eyes and seven horns. When you think about these seven horns, and we'll talk more about this, but the little horn of the book of Daniel speaks about the strength of the Antichrist having one horn. And, of course, and, this, this, and it also speaks historically of Epiphanes, that Syrian ruler. We'll talk more about that as well later. But Christ comes, even though he's in a slain position, he comes forth with seven horns and seven eyes, which are the Spirit of God. And the Lamb came. And took the book out of the right hand of him that sat upon the throne. And this is amazing. And when he had taken the book or the scroll that sealed with the seven seals, the four beasts, that is those four cherubims, these four cherubims, and the four and twenty-four elders, that's the church, fell down before the Lamb having every one of them harps, that's amazing, and golden vials full of odors or incense, which are the prayers of the saints. Not one prayer has ever been wasted. Not one prayer has ever been forgotten. Prayer is the incense of heaven. Prayer is the odors of, of that incredible place. Hallelujah. But here's what's so neat. When the Lamb of God takes the book in his hands, every, it, it, is, it is an amazing thing to me because in this setting, two things happen. The angelic host join with the church in this time of worship. They worship and they sang a new song saying. Now the angels sang this song as well as the people. The church. Thou art worthy to take the book and to open the seals thereof, for thou wast slain and hast redeemed us to God by thy blood out of every kindred, every tongue, and people and nations. I want to stop right here. There's still, there's still about 1,200 tribes, people groups in the world that don't have a written language. Wycliffe, in their translation of the Bible, translates the Bible into already existing languages. Evangel Bible translators, Pastor Savelle Phillips, who just went to be with the Lord recently, I still serve on his board, translates the Bible. They go into uh, these tribes. They live with them sometime for years. Now with the computers that we have, it's a lot faster. But they go in and they listen to the, to the language. They actually... They actually create a written language by, by listening to the sounds of the people, and then they go back and they create a Bible for these people in a written language. It's an amazing thing that they do. We have four more translations, Gene, that came on board, came on board just this year already. Four, there are four people groups in the world that, was, as of last year, did not have a Bible in their language. They do have a Bible in their language. This is pretty amazing to me, pretty amazing to me. But think about this, Even, and, and we may not ever be able to reach all 1,200 of those tribes, but think of it, somehow God will not leave himself without a witness. And here the Bible said that, that every 
there's going to be people from every tongue and every tribe and every people group. That's going to be those with languages or without languages. Won't matter. God is going to show up in an amazing way with his glory. There will be a witness of the name of Jesus that will be strong enough and powerful enough and revelatory enough that it will bring people to God out of those tribes and out of those nations. And that's why the church in heaven will join the angel band and they will sing a new song. Verse 10, and you have made us unto our God kings and priests, and we shall reign on the earth. And that's speaking, of course, of the thousand years millennium reign of Christ. And I beheld, and I heard the voice of many angels around about the throne and the beast and the elders, and the number of them were ten thousands time, ten thousands and thousands of thousands, an innumerable number. That's, that's, that is in every translation of the Bible and in every rendition of the understanding of that text, it has to do saying they, we did this because there's no way to number the number of the angelic host. Uh, I'm running out of time here. We're going to have to give the praise team just a second. I want to I just... Uh, I want to show you something here. <clears throat> this this is an amazing moment. And you, and you remember going going back to the epistles for just a moment. Uh, and the Bible speaks about us coming into a b- before the throne with the church, the living God, the living God, and an innumerable company of angels. This, this moment now is taking place. And you're going to see several occasions where the earth and the angels, and I think about this, the angels were never redeemed. But they're so, they understand redemption. They understand it. The Bible even says that the angels desire to look into the, the, the redemption of mankind on this earth. And so the angels, even though they were never redeemed, they join with the church in this glorious anthem, you have redeemed us. They, they join with the church in that praise and worship, and they sing a new song. Can you say amen? amen. Hallelujah. And I beheld, uh, and I heard the voice of many angels round about the throne, and the beast and the elders, and the number of them were 10,000 times 10,000 and thousands of thousands, saying with a loud voice, that's what they were saying, Worthy is the Lamb that was slain to receive, number one, power, riches, wisdom, strength, honor, glory, and blessings. Hallelujah. And every creature, this is amazing to me, which is in heaven. This is why John gets a, a future vision. He actually sees all the way to the millennial reign, all the way to the white throne judgment here. How do you know that? Listen to this. And every creature which is in heaven and on the earth and under the earth and are in the sea and all them that are in them heard I saying, 
Blessing and honor and glory and power be unto him that sitteth upon the throne and the Lamb forever and forever. Think about this. How could he say that? Because the Bible says, we quote the scripture a lot, that there will come a day when every knee shall bow and every tongue will confess that he is God. Hallelujah. That's going to happen at a time. It's happening every day as people come to the Lord. But there will come a day. And John jumps ahead in his revelation knowledge now. And he says, and he sees a time not only when all the angels are joining and the church is joining, but there's a, he sees a time when every creature on the earth, every man, every woman, even the, even the sinner who will say he is God, we were wrong, and they will, they will, it'll be too late for them, those. But they'll, they'll, they'll confess that he is God. And that scripture will be fulfilled. That every knee will bow and every tongue will confess. And the four beasts said, that is the four cherubims, said, Amen. And the four and twenty elders fell down and worshiped him that liveth forever and forever. Amen. Uh, next Sunday, the sixth chapter, and it's, it, 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 it almost breaks my heart uh, to begin this transition into what is going to take place on this earth. But it is time for the alarm to go off in the Holy Spirit. What's happening in the Middle East, where we are as a nation, what's going on in our world around us, it, there ought to be alarms going off in our minds we ought to be praying. We ought to be witnessing. We ought to be loving each other, forgiving one another. We ought to get ready, amen, for the glory of God to fill the church and for us to get our job done and for the Lord Jesus Christ to, to come and catch us home to glory forever and forever. And everybody said amen. You are dismissed, and thank you. Next Sunday we'll be back in the other classroom, and uh, we'll get the donuts back. All right. <laughs>